0: Welcome to Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder,
1: and president of Him For Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Shug Burry. What would happen if you say what you want to say? Hello, friends. How are you today? Guess where I am? I'm in my RV, and we're traveling across the country interviewing the most fascinating guests. Uh, I put up a new banner behind me. I don't know. If you're on YouTube, would you come and find us at Him For Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics, and? And it says inspiring women to live victoriously because that's what this show is all about uh, allowing women to live victoriously in Christ so i'm so happy you guys are on and today we got a tough topic today's topic is called under pressure youth mental health and i'm with one of my favorite counselors in the entire world mr todd mullican todd thank you for coming on with us
0: thanks so much for having me shug
1: I love it that we're able to Zoom, doesn't matter where we are in the whole United States. And Todd is such a wonderful guy. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Todd has been married to his beautiful wife for 33 years, and they have three married daughters and three wonderful sons-in-law. He's a licensed professional clinical counselor and owner of Mulliken Counseling Center in Edina, Minnesota. And I hear it's a little chilly in Minnesota right now. Is that right,
0: yeah, thanks so much, Shug. I really appreciate that. Just yeah.
1: that, I, I thought I'd tell you I'm looking at palm trees right now. Not sure what your view is, but it's pretty nice. Okay, love is not jealous. I
0: got to remember that. Okay, love is not jealous. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know what? People in warm weather need Jesus too. That's what I figure. Um, <laughs> he has been uh, doing his practice over 30 years of counseling individuals, couples, and families. He's just got a vast of experience and information. Um, and psychology uh, faculty in Minneapolis College, Metropolitan State University, and in Hills Community College. He's the author of four books, and I want you guys to look these up because they're awesome books. I've read over half of them. Um, and he's an author of four books and a speaker on a variety of mental health issues. You can find him at toddmullican.com, and I'm going to spell that for you. Plus, we're going to have that up for you to take a look at if you're on YouTube. It's T O D D, Todd, and then Mullican, M U L L I K E N.com. And again, Todd, thank you for coming on. We got a tough topic today.
0: We do. Thanks for addressing it, though.
1: You know, I, it came on the news, on the national news several weeks back about the crisis that our youth are going through um, under pressure. And I thought, well, as women and men, we need to talk about this through the lens of Christ. We don't want to talk about it just nationally, like on the news. We want to talk about what what's God's opinion on this? How can we start healing hearts? And what does this look like? And why is this topic now? Well, the U.S. Surgeon General's advisory sent out a 2021 advisory for our youth on mental health, it's a either from the pandemic, it's doubled. Uh, one hundred and forty thousand kids have lost caregiver loved ones, such as a parent or a grandparent. Suicide attempts are up fifty one percent for adolescent girls this year. It's between social media, Instagram. Uh, They say that it's harmful to teens, that it's not allowing them to be raised in a healthy environment, and the pressures that kids have today, uh, sexual identity, school shootings. I mean, there's just so much stuff going on. I don't know how the youth today are going to be able to navigate it, but we got a guy on board with us who can help guide us in that. That's the Lord and Todd. (laughs) So, Todd, let me ask you, how has the pandemic um, impacted mental health and kids?
0: Uh, I think the word I find myself saying quite a bit, Shug, is uh, magnified. You know, mm. It's really magnified things. So if uh, an adolescent we know or a kiddo we know has battled some anxiety in their story, boy, it's just gotten louder, right? The fears, the what-if thinking... You know, the feeling isolated of depression, you know, the same with depression. Depression's a lot noisier for kids now and adolescents. The, the low energy, the apathy, the lack of interest in activities, you know, everything's being shut down. So a lot of times their body's shut down. And so what we're seeing, regardless of their mental health history, Sug, is just things becoming more magnified. Even with the third most common mental health issue, which is ADHD, you know, we're seeing, you know, increased numbers of folks that are, increasingly more distracted and more irritable and more agitated and so it's really been hard and it's been chronic you know it's one thing if it was you know two or three months and we see the light at the end of the tunnel but it's been so long you know and kids have had to endure a lot over the last couple of years it's been so hard Mm
1: Mm. And the parents, too. I mean, you know, the challenges of juggling, how can I keep my children healthy during this crazy time that we're living in? Um, I'm sure that you get a lot of parents that approach you as well.
0: Yeah, in a perfect world, which we don't live in, you know, the leaders in the home, the parents uh, would try to be kind of working on their own mental health stuff, right? Try to make sure as they best they can is try to make their you know, make sure their rudder is solid and they're just trying to navigate the waters enough so that their kids can try to live as normally as they can in spite of the situation. So, we want to make sure we're honest with our kids, but we want to make sure as parents we're not putting something on them. In other words, if I battle anxiety myself, Shug, and I'm really nervous about all the aspects of the pandemic and I'm really frightened and I'm maybe overcorrecting a little bit because of my own fear, you know, my kid's going to pick that up in the mail. It's going to be louder for them. So, yeah, the best news is, is for those parents out there, myself included, you know, we just need to do the best we can to be very present in our faith and know that God's still on the throne. And while we're navigating all this stress, we still know that some of the basics are still true in terms of that we're loved, accepted, and proved by God. And how do we Use that contentment that Christ has in us in spite of the delicacy of all the pressures we're feeling. So I think it's good. You know, kids sometimes don't listen to us as parents, but they eventually imitate us, right? So how do we navigate that as parents right now? Because the kids are going through so much.
1: And you know, you're right on that. Right on when you say, you know, they're going to imitate what your reaction is. What is your knee-jerk reaction, friends, as a parent when all of these difficulties come up or you see new things on the news or um, you're more aware of what's going on in social media with your kids or your kids are being bullied or, I mean, what's mom and dad's knee-jerk reaction? And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But what do you think, Todd, are the most common mental health issues being exhibited by kids today?
0: So anxiety is still the loudest and still the most common. And so that's been magnified by about 50% greater likelihood. And so remember, the main symptoms of anxiety are excessive worry, restlessness, then just feeling keyed up and on edge. So they spend a lot of time with what if thinking, well, what if this happens? Or what if I do this and this doesn't work out? And what if this person thinks this way about me? And so their what if house is very noisy. And so that's just been exacerbated because anxiety sugar is louder, uh, with apprehension in terms of when there's a fear of the unknown, anxiety is louder. There's been so much unknown with COVID, you know, we're kind of learning as we go with any of these kind of issues that pop up. So it's been a lot of intense anxiety that's been, uh, magnified. And then the second most common is depression and sometimes, what happens without knowing it is we have a kid that we know or an adolescent we know that is anxious naturally. They're more anxious now, but what happens is the body eventually, after having so much anxiety sugar, it kind of shuts down. Does that make sense? It has kind of yeah. an emotional hangover, so then they can then are more vulnerable to some of those depressive episodes where they're just really feeling flat, lack of interest. The big word I, I'm using with most of the adolescent students I'm seeing right now. Is apathy. That's really what I'm seeing a lot of. Sugar's apathy. So depression is second highest. Anxiety is first highest. Depression can be, if you will, Shug, as mild as low energy, and as severe as suicidal thinking. Right. So and in between are eight other symptoms like uh, what we call the, you know psychomotor retardation. I mean, it's just hard to get going. Fatigue. Uh, lack of interest in activity. So a lot of depressions around energy. And when the energy is really low, for example, you got a kiddo that's 15, that's an extrovert, and they've been kind of shut down, right? They can't connect as much. They can't be on the go as much. They're kind of atrophying emotionally, so they're struggling. Uh, other symptoms are overeating, undereating, oversleeping, undersleeping, excessive guilt. That's really the first cousin of depression, you know, when we're really pouring on a lot of guilt thoughts and feelings, and then feelings of worthlessness and helplessness. So depression typically should come in episodes. So if you have a kid that hasn't had a depressive episode ever, but they're having one now, we just want to know, hey, is there a family history of that? How do we pay attention to that? My my mom had that issue, or my cousin I know has that issue. Now I'm seeing it in my 14-year-old for the first time.
1: Is a lot of that uh, genetic?
0: It is. It really is and Typically, with any mental health issue, Should it's a, a combination of genetic markers as well as life experiences. So mm. once in a while, it can be just genetic. Once in a while, it can be just our experiences. But most of the time, it's a interaction between two. So that's what we see the most because not all kids that grew up in the same home have the same type of emotional issues 20 years later, right? So... Some of it is the genetic sensitivities that each uh, person has.
1: I like the word that you said. You said atrophying emotionally. Um, and that's, I think it's probably happening. All these kids staying at home, they're not able to interact like they should as children and, um, you know, run through those roles and those practices of, of human relationships. As a parent, what can you do to help strengthen that?
0: Well, as best as we can, you know, the good news is, you know, there's surges of COVID, and then it gets a little quieter. And so then whatever activities they weren't in, now they're getting back into. We just wanna engage in that. And if you will, we wanna come off as normal as we can, not because we wanna stick our head in the sand about the pandemic. It just means usually, you know, whatever school system you're in, whatever uh, church system you're involved in, have regulations and things to protect the kids as best as they know how so we just want to make sure our kids are still engaging in the levels that they can participate in if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Uh, we want to make sure that the strengths they do have that have been quieted right now that they're still able to get back into those areas because what happens if they get out of it a little bit and they get a little tired and flat and maybe a little anxious and maybe more apprehensive They might not want to get back into those things. So sometimes parents have to do, you know, some encouraging to get them back into those lanes, the focus of strengths that help them become re-energized and, and just the more healthy emotionally and spiritually.
1: So as a parent, uh, let's say you see your kids starting to uh, slump into that uh type of situation. I mean, would you say it's fair enough to say, okay, I recognize this in you, and I think all social media is off, computers are off, we're going to go outside, we're going to spend some time in, in nature. You know, it, does it help to pull them out of their day-to-day and give them uh, new stimuli?
0: Yeah, you know, each situation's so different, right? It really is. There isn't a one-size-fits-all here. We have to know... So how has God created each of our kids uniquely, right? What's going to work best for them? You know, so if I've got a quiet kid that really generally loves one or two close friends and they've been shut down with that, uh, you know, I don't want to say they can't talk to that person until they get their homework done. In my opinion, I want to make sure they still are plugging in, but I got to lean on more What, what are we going to do here for a consequence with the homework or with whatever? If I've got a kid that's really, you know, bringing it back and forth and they're really, you know, going at it toe to toe and they have lots of friends buzzing around, maybe my interactions and my, the discipline is the same in terms of the consequences, but how we go about it, Sug, is different based on the, the temperament of the kid. We really want to bring out their best have natural consequences, meet them where they're at, but know that we're paying attention and we're for them. We love them. We want the best for them. Here's what we're thinking is best to Mm -hmm. do in the situation so that the kids know they're being led, but they're also being heard. Is it
1: okay to acknowledge to the child that you're starting, you know, and especially adolescents are old enough to understand mental health, um, that you maybe are concerned that there might be an issue?
0: Yeah. And again, you you know, you may have heard me say this phrase, how do we be honest with our kids without putting something on our kids? Mm-hmm. I've got a 17-year-old that hasn't really had much mental health issues, and they have their first depressive episode, but I myself have depression. You know, I'm, I'm not going to sit my kid down for an hour and a half and tell them about my long history of depression, but I might say, you know, hon, I've gone through that myself recently, or, you know, I've had that battle in my history, too. Has been hard, so I resonate with what you're going through. What can I do to help you here? Um, here's what I do, but what do you think for you? You know, we're just we're creating interactions with a 17 year old, not interrogations. We're having joint decisions. We're leading as parents, but we're creating interactions, right? So the first step for sure, because again, Sug, what we do know in general if that's, you know, a 15-year-old or whatever has, you know, crippling panic attacks or has some anxiety that's significant, more often than not, one of the parents has that worry gene themselves or really they've been masking it in different ways that maybe haven't been healthy. Boy, it's always good if a parent can say, hey, I, I got gotcha. you, I, I go through that myself, so I really resonate with your worry, I hear you. Does that make sense? So I think it's really good mm-hmm to have that be our first move if we do battle some of that stuff ourselves so they know they're not in it alone and they know we're not just throwing stones emotionally. We're really understanding where they're at a little bit.
1: I think too, um, what I see especially in my ministry is drug use is prevalent uh, Mm -hmm. in America alive and well, and it starts early. Um, is it uh, a little bit easier to identify when it's a drug use, mental health issue versus just, um, a psychological, um, genetic one.
0: Great point. It is. And really, one of the things that's been really helpful in our treating of of people, Suge, is realizing that both mental health and chemical health are very what we call co-occurring disorders, right? So if you have a a 15-year-old in your house that has some anxiety and they're starting to drink excessively, the drinking might become a co-occurring problem with the anxiety. In other words, they're drinking to get away from the way they're thinking. On the other hand, you can have somebody that has, um, you know, addictive family, uh, but they've been sober for 20 years, and one of their kids has ADHD, and they have the impulsive type of ADHD. Well, there's a 50% likelihood that they could have a vulnerability to some type of chemical addiction because they have that impulsivity. Some addicts are very fire-ready aim, right? They're using they're just impulsive with their use and the addiction is more on the receiving pleasure in the pleasurable parts of their brain. So that's why there's such a high comorbidity, we call it, between ADHD and substance abuse. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're hand in hand. You know, mental health issues and substance abuse issues go hand in hand often.
1: Mm, and that's so frustrating. Um, you know, from one use to another, um, how do you approach mental health in a friend? who possibly is defensive um, and or paranoid?
0: Yeah, I think I find myself saying quite a bit to people, how do I um, create an interaction, not an interrogation? How do I let that friend in versus taking it out on them? So it doesn't mean we have to talk like therapists to each other, but we can say, you know, I love you, I'm for you, and i just noticed you've been, really, really worried and scared and I'm worried about you, but how about you? How? What do you think? How are you doing? Right? So we're, we're creating a, not a one-off big conversation, but we're just creating a volley, but we're, we're creating an interaction where that person, even if they're defensive and mildly paranoid, they know that we're for them and we're walking alongside them versus judging versus fixing you know, we want to practice empathy and not be codependent. We want to let, you know, the book of James says, you know, be quick to listen. So if I've got a friend that's really struggling with depression uh, and that, boy, their defense i all get out. I want to just know well, my first job is to listen. Like, oh, you seem, you know, you haven't been out of the home in two weeks and you missed her. You know, you haven't texted back. I'm sad. But how are you doing? I'm fine. I'm good. What do you What are you saying? I, oh, nothing. I'm just worried. I love you. I'm for you. Uh, I'm just I'm concerned. But tell me what you, Tell me what's going on for you. You know. So we're always creating an interaction, and we're not trying to fix the situation because you know. Do you that, Do
1: you find more likely than not that they'll just shut down and cut you off?
0: They will, right? Especially if they're more, you know, under stress. Should, some of us are fighters. Some of us are flighters. Some of us create hailstorms. Some of us turtle up, right? So for those turtles that just turtle up and go into their shell, they can shut down for a long time because it doesn't feel safe. The other person can just interrogate and fight back and be really argumentative and and just really want to shut down the conversation through you know uh, levels of rage, if you will. So I just want to make sure that we, as Christ followers, when we're walking alongside anybody that we know that's battling a mental health issue that we're not coming off as their therapist. We're coming off as their friend who loves mm-hmm. them for them. And we're not trying to fix or educate or parent or manage, but we're walking alongside. Um, and then what we always have to know should too, is, you know, cause once in a while there might be a moment right where they might open up a bit and maybe be a little bit vulnerable. We also want to know, like, hey, if I've done any therapy myself, that's the time when I share it. Mm -hmm. Um, If I know a friend of a friend who's a wonderful counselor, that's the time I say, Gal, thanks for being so open. I love you. You know, thanks for sharing. And, you know, I know a friend of mine has this counselor that really has been helpful. Uh, I'm happy to give you her his name if you'd like, but whatever you think is best. You know, so we're, remember, we're not putting pressure on ourselves to fix things right away, you know, but walking alongside them as God does for the rest of their lives.
1: Those are great tips. And, you know, I know many <clears throat> people who have often felt suicidal that you can ask them, do you or are you considering suicide? And oftentimes they will answer you totally honestly. I used to always think it would be the opposite that they, Oh no, 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 no I'm not. But then oftentimes they've said, yes, I have thought about, it, or I have considered it. And if that's the case, friends, and you don't feel you can turn to someone in your family or you're not comfortable talking to anybody who's in your close family radius, would you guys do me a favor and just take a moment and write this number down? It's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline and it's 1-800-273-8255. one 273 8255 And um, I promise you, you call, uh, they'll walk alongside you and they'll encourage you um, as well there's a teen line that you can also call teen and it's 1-800-852-8336 852 you're not alone my friends and um I also would encourage you to reach out to Todd Mulliken if you would. Todd, T o d d l m u l l i k e n dot com, um, and he would be more than happy uh, to walk with you um, through these challenging times, uh, whether it be just with yourself uh, as a youth or as a family or as a parent. Um, just give Todd a call because he's just such a wealth of information and help. Um, how can we come alongside another parent? You know, nowadays, Todd, things are so stinking competitive um, and there's a lot of uh, mom bashing or comparing. And let's say you have a child that um, is having mental illness issues, but you don't want to, uh, mental health issues, and you don't want to share that with other people because you're maybe embarrassed or you're thinking, oh, my friends are going to judge me, et cetera. How, as a friend, can you come alongside another parent who's battled uh, and having difficulties in the situation with their child?
0: Well, for sure, we want to make sure we say, uh if they open up to us about it about their own struggle we want to first you know just listen and validate and walk alongside and make sure it's really safe and they just feel heard and completely listened to and then then it could be a time to say you know thanks for bringing it up i've struggled with that myself or if they're a really 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 close friend and you trust them you know you could even share you know our family's struggle with that a little bit too right so that it's really important that there's mutual vulnerability should because I think sometimes, especially as a person of faith, I remember early in my life I I wouldn't share the issues I would have because I didn't want them to think if you if you're a Christian you you have issues. Whereas I was totally wrong, you know. I mean, we people get closer to Jesus when they know like, mm-hmm. hey, God's comforting us in our affliction, in our pain. And we all have areas of brokenness, so. I think it's really important when somebody opens up to us a little bit about their stuff that we just make them feel heard and listened to and we share a little bit of our own stuff if we have any so that they feel not alone in it too.
1: Mm-hmm. Those are such good words of wisdom. And of course, scripture has all the wisdom we need. Second uh, Timothy says, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of some mind Isaiah 43 says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I love that. He redeems us. I have called you by name. Friend, he is calling you by your name. And you are mine. Friends, just reach out to Christ and say, I am here. I invite you into my life. And I pray that you will walk with me for the rest of my days. Friends, you know I love you. This is Suge Burry, him for her radio, Women's Hot Topics. Todd Mulligan, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom. You guys know I love you. Over and out.